to the Mindful Podcast. You are with myself, Nathan, and my co-host, Edwin. And today we have a special guest, a very, very special guest. <laughs> we have um, a five-time All-American. This athlete went, actually went to Baylor University, and they are the first athlete to earn All-American honors in the same individual event at the Indoor Nations four years straight. And that's the first male or female athlete. Need to make sure we mention that. In addition to that, um, they're also the first Baylor athlete to win the same event at the conference indoor meet for four straight seasons. So we're really in, we're really blessed with uh, an exceptional athlete. Their discipline is 100 meter hurdles. So without further ado, a warm, warm welcome to Miss Tiffany McReynolds. How are you, Miss? I'm doing well. Thank you guys for having me. Thank you for coming on. Absolutely. Thank you for coming on. Behind closed doors, myself and Ed have been really, really looking forward to this. Um, we really, really are thankful. Um, you are an exceptional um, athlete and we really want to unpack your mind. So we have a, a routine. Um, we call it the Mind Talks routine. And it's really to ask the first question, which is, Take your mind back. What was your first memory of a sport, either playing or watching? My first living memory of a sport was probably when I used to play soccer. I feel like it should be way before then, but that is my first. <laughs> That's probably when I was like seven. So I don't, I mean, I lived quite a bit of time before that, but that was my first memory that I can recall right now off the jump. I don't think anyone remembers playing sport before that. I, I don't. Yeah. I don't remember the first time I played football, played soccer. When, I don't remember the first time I did any sport. <laughs> yeah. I can't even. No. Not beyond that. And were you, um, were you good at all sports or was that the thing that stood out for you when you were young? Yeah, I think I was a pretty good all-around athlete. Um, so I have a lot of male cousins. And so we spent a lot of time outside playing, I guess, American football. And then mm. um, when I was old enough, my parents started putting me in different sports. I've always really liked physical activity. That's always kind of just been my thing. So I really liked soccer. And then they also had me try gymnastics at some point because I guess I was pretty flexible. So they're like, just try it, you know? And I also did like, I would say probably a solid two weeks of karate or yeah. Taekwondo. And then I was like, we're done with this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. With regards to um, soccer, um, mm -hmm. how, how did you get into that? And um, what was your inspiration or was it through family member? Talk to us about how you got into soccer. So I got into soccer just as that being one of the sports that they offered in school. They offered that for us to do outside of school. And one of my uh, classmates' dads decided to be the coach. And so there was like a league or whatever. And um, so I was pretty much just playing with my friends. And, you know, that was fun when you're in elementary school, you like to just be with your friends at all times of the day. So um, we were playing soccer then and I was pretty good because I was fast. And so I was always able to score goals. And so that mm -hmm. was really fun. Yeah. Um, 
but it it wasn't something that you know was really ever thought about other than that it was just a good time yeah okay and when did you move from that to track and field very interesting because the coaches the coach that we had for that little mini you know, extracurricular league. Um, He told my dad, I think I was around 10 or so. He was telling my dad, she really needs to stick with this. Um, She has a future in soccer. But at that time, I was also pretty interested in track and field. Um, I had began running summer track. One of like these random days, my mom and I were passing by a track that was on the way to my grandma's house. And I was like, hey, can we stop there? And like, and we did. And she spoke to the coach. And the next day I was out practicing with them. So that was the beginning of track and field for me. And I just began to really love track. And, um, you know, so soccer was still something that was fun. But it's interesting because, yeah, like my my friends' dad told me that I had no like future in track and field and yeah (laughs) you know you know with regards to um athletes so we've had a couple of athletes on as well and it's always fascinating to hear how in the early stages is Mm -hmm. when and they always speak about when they found out when they realized that they were fast so can you take us back and when did you realize that you was faster than the average person your age i think i started realizing that i was faster than the average person my age, because there was a boy in my class, his name was Melvin, Melvin Turner, shout out to Melvin. (laughs) Um, But he, uh, he was, um, he was the fastest boy, you know, in like, probably like in the elementary school. And then I was supposedly like the fastest girl. And one day in PE, they like had us on the track or whatever. And we did a race and I was like right by Melvin and I was like, oh, OK. <laughs> and I think at that point I started realizing like, oh, like I'm I'm pretty good at this. I think a lot of athletes like at least like women, when they compare themselves, like they're like, I knew I was fast because I was able to keep up with the boys. So yeah. that that's for me, for sure. Like I was like, oh, like I was beating all the girls easy. But when I was able to like keep up with you know, the fastest guy was like, oh, maybe, yeah. maybe I'm good at this. I don't know. <laughs> and at, at what point did you decide, obviously you were fast and mm-hmm. to do hurdles, because obviously hurdles has got, it's got, it's got barriers there. Um, yeah. What, what made you decide to do that? I decided to run the hurdles after uh, doing a couple of years of summer track and just not really finding like my kind of like perfect fit. Um, I really was not good when I first started. I was the youngest. I was small, um, the youngest in my age group and the smallest for many years. And, you know, not even just my age group. But I did the hurdles because my mom, she was a hurdler in high school. And so um, I was just like, oh, wow, like I want to do these like that my mom did. And so when you're about I think it's like 11 or 12 that you have to. Um, be in order to start trying to do hurdles because they want you to be a certain height, you know, even though I didn't meet that requirement, obviously (laughs) just met the age requirement. Um, That's when I began my journey into hurdling. 
Okay, not too long ago, um, Edwin used to, used to take quite a few of us to, to track. And one of the things we needed to do is um, jump over hurdles. And I could not get over this barrier of I always mm-hmm. thought that I was going to fall. So can you just talk mm-hmm. to us about how you overcame the, the, the potential fear of you falling over hurdles? Yeah, um, that's a good question, because to be honest, um, I train sometimes like other clients on the side. So kids sometimes on the side that are interested in hurdling. And one of the biggest things that I um, remember kind of being instilled in me and when I was first hurdling was that you have to like get your first fall out of the way. And like because once you do that, then you're able to just like fearlessly do it. Um, you realize like, oh, this isn't as bad. At least my falling experience wasn't that bad. Some people have had really (laughs) traumatic falling experiences and I don't blame them for not wanting to do hurdles. But I think also as a hurdler, you're slightly crazy. We're like right up there with pole vaulters kind of, but not because that's a different type of crazy. But, um, (laughs) but definitely like, to do something and to compete in something where you have the potential to fall and like just to do it again and again and again, you know, um, it's for me, it's just a challenge. And I love that. I love the uncertainty of hurdles. I love that it really is on me, you know, um, I love the technical aspect of it for me to be honest, if I'm really being honest, running is really just boring for me. So <laughs> I need to do, I like that I'm able to do something else with yeah. it, you know? So, yeah. And at, at what point from doing hurdles did you realize, actually, I can potentially go somewhere with this. I can okay. maybe have a future in the, in the sport. Mm-hmm. Um, I definitely think that that started to come about towards me reaching high school. So probably around like the end of my eighth grade year, um, like the summer of eighth grade going into my freshman year, because I at that time had a very good hurdle coach. Initially, when I started hurdling, I was not good. I was like, they used to call me froggy because I literally like <laughs> stopped myself over each of the hurdles <laughs> like a frog. Um, and so you know, once I started learning with this, uh, with this coach, like the actual proper technique on how to actually correctly hurdle and taking three steps, because initially I was like alternating, um, and things like that. So once I realized, Hey, like I'm getting the rhythm down and I saw in my high school meets, um, that I was the only one really doing like three steps. Like I actually was the only one that had the proper rhythm and my times began to drop throughout yeah. high school. I was like, okay, like this is something I really want to commit to. Okay. Outside yourself, who else pushed you or who else inspired you to come to, you know, that idea that yes, I am going to become an athlete. So outside mm-hmm. yourself, when you've made that decision, was there anybody else that had an impact on that decision for you to push forward? Um, I think I've just always had really special people who have just in their own way affirmed that I wanted to be an athlete. Um, I think in elementary school, I have this picture of myself and it literally, you know, in elementary school, they ask you like, what do you want to be? 
And I just literally, and my answer was like an athlete. Okay. <laughs> and um, <laughs> I just had amazing gym teachers who just saw like my overall athleticism and they just like affirmed that. Yeah. I had an amazing fifth grade teacher who saw that I loved track. And so she took me to, uh, she was the high school track coach at that time. So one day after school, she like asked my mom if she could take me uh, to their practice. So I literally was a fifth grader at a high school track practice, doing yeah. starts with them, practicing mm-hmm. with them. And, um, and then, you know, just having amazing coaches and my parents have always just affirmed and supported that too. So I think it has just really been, um, you know, really special people that just saw that and were like let's grow this you know i think some people don't realize the importance of the support network do you feel that network if you didn't have it you wouldn't be able to get to the level that you've got to so far i i really don't think so i mean i think you can do so much on your own um but i think that it's super important for you to also just have whether it be you know your actual family or just friends who you find as family or whatever that are literally there to support you and encourage you and what you're trying to do. Um, Because I've had some really down moments, especially in pursuing this career, you know, as a professional and even in college, it's, there have been very significant down moments in which it's just like, you kind of forget what you're working towards, but you have those people and they remind you of those things. They remind you of who you are you know, and, um, you know, what you have the potential to do. So. Mm -hmm. One thing with, with, with hurdlers is the the technical side. I think sometimes that almost gets missed. How long did it take for you to really perfect um, your technique? It's still happening now. I've been hurdling probably (laughs) since, like I said, I was probably like 11 or something like that. And, um, you know, so that's like 18 years. I'm 29 now. So yep. that's a long time. And I'm still learning each and every day how to be better at it. I would say that around the last couple of years is when it's really started to mesh for me. Yep. Um, I mean, I've had success in, you know, in running, but now it's just like the smallest of details at this point now. And that yep. I feel like I'm learning like the true art of hurdling, you know, well. Um, and so, yeah, it's a continual thing forever. <laughs> and that's what I, I love about it because yeah. it is so continual. It's not like, oh, I got it. Like now I just, you know, it's like, no, there's always a small tweak or whatever hmm. that'll help shave off like 0.5 of a second or whatever, you know? So last year, 2020, obviously was a year for, every, for everyone, which wasn't the best. <laughs> Obviously, mm-hmm. it was supposed to be Olympic year. How mm-hmm. how did you deal with it mentally when you found out, okay, the Olympics are getting moved, um, trials are not happening? How, how did you handle mm-hmm. that? I was excited. Like, I was super <laughs> excited. Um, this is only my third year in LA. And so in 2019, I moved here and I was with um, a coach. His name was Ryan Wilson. And that was my first year with him. And I, you know, he changed a lot of things. We worked on a lot of things and, you know, my form and things were just like completely broken down. So going into 2020, 
that was my second year with him. And I felt very good about that because, you know, I was able to build off of what he was kind of saying. And I was like, okay, I really feel like I understand. We have a language now as coach and athlete. So I know what you're talking about. I know what that feels like. I've done it before. Um, And so I was excited to have another year, you know, to work on things so that I didn't have to really rush. So for me, it was, it was awesome. Like I was like, you know, that's fine. I would say at the end of it, though, I started to get mentally burnt out when it came to us not being able to really compete. Yeah. Um, Track and field is very hard to keep doing all the time. The workouts are not glamorous. The workouts suck sometimes. And Mm. so, you know, having to do that, I just I felt like I was kind of like a hamster just on a wheel and just like going and going. And I was Mm. like. I need to be doing this for a reason. Like I need to have a competition. I need to have mm. a meet at the end of this, you know? Mm. Um, that's why I put myself through these 200s or 600s or whatever, you know? I don't do it just to do it, so. Mm. Yeah, that's probably why some people who were running, even though they're running against themselves in the song, yeah. <laughs> they just wanted Absolutely. to compete against, compete for yeah. something. <laughs> yes, yeah. I, yep. I wouldn't doubt it. With regards to... One of the things that you mentioned and it's something that often is not spoken about is, you know, the transition from moving to either moving location and potentially moving coaches. Um, Talk to us about how the transition has been for you. And if there's anyone listening and potentially thinking about maybe they want a fresh start, um, Mm. what are the best ways um, to ensure that the initial stages, you know, being a new coach is going to be um, smooth and plain sailing? Hmm. Um, I don't know if you can guarantee that. Um, Hmm. I have had uh, three coaches. No, no, no. Okay, so I've had four coaches total. Um, After Baylor, I moved to Dallas for a little bit and was training with a coach there. And I think that he is a great coach in many ways, but he just was not a proper fit for me. Yeah. And, um, and so then I ended up going back to Baylor for some time, but I mean, I had spoken with my coach that I had in Dallas and um, I, at that time agreed, I thought with like the philosophy of his coaching and things like that, it felt like it very much like lined up yeah. um, and the facilities, everything like seemed very much like, you know, what I could you know, used to be successful, but it just overall just was not a fit. And I didn't know that until I got there. Um, And then now I was with Ryan and Ryan last year in 2020 retired. So now I'm with a new coach. I'm with Bobby Kersey now. And I have had the difference between those two, I think, was that uh, Ryan and I definitely spoke before I came and I had kind of like a history with Ryan. I had seen Ryan at different meets, he had kept up with me. Um, And then also like I had friends who were athletes of his and same thing with Bobby. I've known Bobby for a very long time, like like not directly, but just have known of him and uh, now being in the track world as long as I have, people just kind of know of each other. But I think in order to be successful, you definitely have to do your homework, speak with the coach, um, understand kind of tried your best to understand them personally, like as much as you can, like coach mentality wise, because you're going to be 
with them very intimately dealing with them like in both settings yeah and um just i i went out here you know before i moved out to la i came and i kind of like looked at the environment saw where i was going to kind of be and you just have to kind of yeah do your homework for sure okay um but it really doesn't you can't you cannot what well this is the other thing that i would say like you if you're going to switch coaches you definitely have to come in with a clean slate um you definitely have to buy into the coaching philosophy or you know program that you're getting ready to be in when you resist it like that shows distrust in the coach and things like that and it's just very hard for you to even like get on sync with the coach if you you know, come in with a fresh slate, like as much as you possibly can, even though, you know, you might have had a coach that told you this, like now just like try your best to be a blank canvas. That's, that's definitely the major thing for me. Okay. Being, being around and changing coach, you've obviously um, trained with other athletes. Have you seen some athletes resist change? Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think I was one of them at one point too. Like I, started losing confidence in like what the program was talking about. I didn't understand some of the things and um, it's, it's hard, you know? And uh, yeah, you de- I definitely have seen other athletes um, in my training groups in the past that have, uh, you know, started to buy out of what they initially got in and it has, it's been difficult. It was difficult for them. It was difficult for the coach. It was difficult for the group sometimes because they brought that same energy around Mm. us. And it was like, maybe I am bought in, but now you're like, you know, like I just, it's hard. Yeah. I think I I say it to Nathan all the time, that energy is transferable. Yeah, for sure. hundred percent. I think when it comes to what you just mentioned that there is a lot of uh, mental gymnastics that happens in our minds. Um, I just want us, you know, I want you to kind of dig a little bit deeper. I don't want you to get too personal, but can you just think of a time where you did lose a little bit of confidence, but you came out on the other side where actually you regained the faith, you regained that confidence. Can you just talk to us a little bit about how, what was the process in getting yourself back to um, being confident in the philosophy? Mm-hmm. And the coaching philosophy? Yeah, yeah. Oh, um, okay. So where I did, okay. So where I lost some confidence in the coach, I I definitely think when you are going into a new program and you've bought into it and you're doing everything that you possibly can, you're listening to the coach. um, You're doing all the things that you as an athlete need to do, rest, recovery, everything in your power too, but you do not see results that that can really cause a lack of confidence. And then, uh, you know, you just are like, okay, like, did I make the right decision? Like, is this really what I need as an athlete? I was faster when I was with such and such, or I was faster when I did this, this and that. Um, But it's, yeah, definitely. When you don't see the results sometimes until like later, then that can be definitely a time in which you lose confidence. Mm. Mm-hmm. So race day. So when there's race day, there's a lot of there's a mm-hmm. lot of people warming up. There's a lot of different different energy, different type of people. Yeah. What what do you use to to try and keep yourself cool um, and calm and collective? Because there's some people they listen to music. Some people mm-hmm. like to talk to everyone. What what do you do to get? <laughs> <laughs> um, 
I am definitely like, I listen to music. Um, I try my best to not like not be too like isolated, like at least when I have like a little bit of time before. So like say I have like three hours or something like before, then I'll try to still be pretty like sociable because there are people. Yeah, there are definitely people who talk when they're like more nervous and just like want to talk to you. <laughs> but I'll be like, OK, you know, and uh, but I I when it's like time for me to start actually warming up, I definitely am finding a nice spot to where like I feel like I can just focus on what I need to do. Uh, faith is a big thing for me. So. I try to pray and um, well, oftentimes on race day, uh, just really like reaffirm myself and listen, reading like a couple of scriptures that like I know really resonate with me, um, you know, reminding me to be strong, reminding me to be courageous, reminding me that like fear has no control over me. Um, And then, uh, yeah, like a playlist is everything that'll get you hyped. Like you, I, once I have that in, like I'm just zoned in and I'm just like, okay, it's time to get this work. Let's go. You know? So that's, that's me. I mean, um, yeah, I just like, I think at that point I'm just like in my own little bubble. Mm-hmm. Do you, do you, do you have any, uh, pre-race rituals? So I remember, shout out to um, Azania. I think Azania wears her, she puts on her right trainer first <laughs> oh she has like a <laughs> yeah, down she, to that yeah, oh yeah, yeah. i don't so i don't your... <laughs> my my oh man i don't i know i don't i used to yeah in high school i had this pair of like frog socks that i like absolutely loved and i wore them until like they had crazy holes in them i don't even <laughs> i don't even know where they are they might like be at home home yeah. um but yeah, I'd like I wore those every track meet. But now I don't I don't so much have like that type of race ritual. I do have like a ritual that I do when I get into the blocks each yeah. time. Yeah. Even if there's like a false start, I will redo that same ritual every yeah. time. Mm-hmm. Um, but other than that, I don't have I don't have anything. I don't that takes too much energy. I'm an <laughs> overthinker already sometimes, so mm-hmm. that it would take too much energy for me to like be like, nah, I gotta do this, this, <laughs> this. You know, so let's say it's um rounds you're qualifying for something and you're in a heat and you may not win the heat, you come second, Mm -hmm. but you get to the next round. How do you how do you react and how do you process things going forward, knowing okay, Mm -hmm. I'm going into the next round, I'm against this person who beat me in the previous heat. Mm -hmm. How do you mentally prepare to think, okay, I have to forget what they did, I have to Mm -hmm. focus on just myself? Man, that's the best time if Mm -hmm. if I if I have another chance, that means, okay, I get to fix what I did wrong yeah. to allow this person to beat me. So yeah. now I get to like, actually go whoop them in the final. Yeah. Like, that's how I think. <laughs> like, I'm like, okay, we have a second chance. Like whenever, um, because that like happens to me a lot sometimes, like, especially on the pro circuit, like, you know, you might barely make it or be the last, whatever, you know, last one in there. And it's just like, okay, like now, like fresh start, like a race, what you just did, you literally have the opportunity now to run the race that you wanted to run. And so that's what I tell myself. I love being able to get a second chance when I don't get a second chance. That's when it sucks. <laughs> but Yeah. 
How important um, are your teammates in terms of support? So, and and that's and that's looking at it from the success and sometimes you know falling short. How important are your teammates to you? Um, I I definitely think it's important to have a solid group of of teammates. Um, I feel like in the college setting, it's easier to have teammates because you're literally on the same team as a professional. Now in your training group, yes, your training partners in some aspects are like, are like teammates, but at the same time, it's a little bit more individualized. So it is Mm. hard to have like, you know, that same type of like, we're all in this together type of thing. Cause we're really not (laughs) <laughs> we really, you know, we're all training together. But when you get, I've been blessed to be in really solid groups to where my training partners have ended up feeling like teammates to where it really feels like we're all encouraging each other. We're all supporting each other. Um, you know, I've been right now, like kind of dealing with like a little bit of like a hip type of um injury type thing. And so I've had great training partners that have just like been encouraging me, checking in on me, seeing where I'm at because we were doing a training camp in Phoenix and I had to leave for part of that time to do PT and rehab, you know, but they were just like, Hey, how are you? We miss you. And I'm like, I miss y'all too. So that's important. It's very important. That's a good, good question. And when race day comes, is it important for you to have people, you know, around you? Does that push you on when you're competing or does it not matter because you're in the zone? Um, when I was in high school and I would say even in college. So in high school, when I did summer track, my family, like we loaded up. So it was like my mom, my dad, my sister, my cousin, my grandma, my grandpa, like they, seven of us, <laughs> eight, including me, like we all went down and like did these trips. And so it was amazing having them there. And in college, uh, because I lived or because I was competing in states and cities that were near them, they did the same thing. So, you know, I I loved having that and knowing that my family is there and being able to see them in the stands. But as a professional, I'm going over to Germany. I'm going over to London. I'm going to these things. And like, I really don't have people there. So I have to kind of just, uh, you know, like I'll just check in with them via like FaceTime or something, but just knowing that like, you know, mm, that they're like still with me in a sense, like is good. Uh, but yeah, it, it is much different, you know, not having that physical support, like physically there, um, especially when you have like a bad race or whatever, you know, it's just like, okay. And you you might have like your agent there, but that's also your agent. So it's like, yeah. all right, we got the next meet, like we're going to go, you know? So, yeah. um, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. Outside success. My, my, I guess my biggest respect for mm-hmm. athletes is, you know, um, overcoming injury. And you just mentioned mm-hmm. about injury. Um, I guess without going into too much detail, how mm-hmm. do you, keep going how do you mentally prepare yourself to 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 keep going day in day out and still have the, the you know the, the the mental capacity to understand that actually do you know what i'm gonna overcome this but actually more importantly i'm gonna get to where i was before how, how do you mm. ensure that you you still have that um mindset that's a really good question i think this time has been very 
uh, different for me, but I would say just in the past in general, I've just been like, you know, I have more to accomplish. Like mm-hmm. I just knew, like, I was like, I have more to accomplish. Yeah. I like, this wasn't a career ending injury or sometimes it might not even be like a season ending injury. So I'm yeah. just like, I have more to accomplish. Like, um, and because it's not career ending, like I know that I'm not done, you know? Mm-hmm. So just focusing on that and then also focusing on for me now, as I'm, as like a more mature athlete, I think I think about focusing on what I have control over. So I have control over me actually doing what I need to and resting, me doing what I need to in the small, like mundane PT exercises that you don't necessarily want to do, but you know, in order to like keep going and keep your body like where it needs to be, you're doing Um, those types of things. As long as I am fully like committed to my sphere of influence, Mm -hmm. then I'm just like, all right, I'm going to reap in some sort of way. It might not necessarily be what I wanted, but I know that I'm like, I just have time. I'm not finished. You know, that's how I kind of think about it. And how do you mentally prepare yourself? Let's say you've gone through um, Mm -hmm. trials for for a major and you've not been able to to achieve Mm -hmm. what you wanted to achieve. How do you mentally prepare yourself to keep on going? Yeah, I mean, that's happened. That's happened twice. So, (laughs) um, but I think, um, you know, I, I think how you just keep going is just remembering what the vision is. You know, yeah. I feel like I've just had a vision for the longest time that I would make an Olympic team and that I would be an Olympic champion and just holding on to that vision and continuing to work with that vision and with that in focus um, and just knowing that for me, as I like, if I like look back on things now, I very much see moments in time in which it was like, this had to happen in order for this to happen, you know, and just knowing that each step of my journey of my process is unique to me mm-hmm, and yeah. unique to my story. And that is important. I've had to learn now, like, not to compare my journey or compare compare the pace in which I reach my final destination or whatever um, to anybody else's. How one? I guess one question that um, I've always wanted to ask athletes is, you know, ex- when they're going from place to place, how how do you mentally? How do you mentally and physically deal with you know going from? meet to meet you mm. could be literally going from one continent to another how mm. how do you how do you continue to i guess right now you, you know you're, you're you're a lot more experienced but in your early days mm. how were how you dealing with going from place to place oh it was so hard the first year that i went professional i was a lost puppy like I was (laughs) I was so lost um but I am so thankful because um I had my agent at the time like he would have usually he would partner like the newbies with like a um somebody who's like a veteran and something like that so I just remember being on my first flight to Germany and I saw this guy and he was wearing like athletic stuff too. And I was like, 
maybe he's going to this meet. <laughs> and then like, I didn't really know where to go and mm. stuff. And so like, I just asked him, I said, Hey, are you like, <laughs> I was like, are you going to this meet? And he was like, yeah, yeah. And then we ended up legit. We had the same agent. Yeah. And so just learning from them, um, you know, just learning the ways of the land, you know, I learned now, like the things that I need to bring over there, like I need to bring certain foods because not they, you know, different countries have different types of foods. So that mm. is one thing, being able to adjust to like different foods, being able to adjust to like how to pack and stuff like that um, with like how much you want to, because sometimes you are over there for like, at least for me, I'm usually over there for like two and a half weeks. So mm -hmm. it's like, all right, I don't want to have like these two. I made the mistake one time of having like two huge bags and we ended up taking a train instead of a plane at once so it is just like it's just a lot and then learning uh about time changes and how mm -hmm. to like listen to your body to yeah. where you that's still something that I'm learning but at this point like I remember one of my coaches was trying to like have me do a really scientific method of like how to do it and I'm just like I I'm just going to go to sleep. <laughs> so I just go to sleep now <laughs> when I'm tired. And, uh, it just has worked out. So I'm like, that's what I'm going to do now. <laughs> uh, uh -huh. and, and in your athletic career, has there been stuff that you've learned in your career that you can use in your personal life mm -hmm. and vice versa? Yeah, absolutely. I think um, perseverance is definitely something I know that that's kind of like cliche and probably everybody says that but I really do believe that perseverance is something and then also just like uh you know I think that there's like kind of this thing where everybody's like a winner now and I'm like mm. that's not really true you know so like you kind of that's not really uh, true you need to <laughs> do some stuff you know in order yeah. for you to actually you know be where you need to be so um those two things for me are like major off the top of my head that I think about and just also discipline you know it mm. takes a lot of discipline to and sacrifice to miss certain events or miss things with your friends, miss things with your family, mm -hmm. um, because you know that you're focused on like achieving something or attaining something. And so doing those things, mm -hmm. those principles. Okay, so let's see if you can get this. Okay. Top three stadiums outside of America. So what are, okay. your, so what are the top three stadiums? So in terms of atmosphere, so outside uh -huh. your own country, what would you say were the top three um, stadiums for you? Um, oh, man, I loved going to the bird's nest in China. That was oh, amazing. I was just yeah. tripped out anyway because I was in the bird's nest. Mm, <laughs> so job. there was that one. <laughs> um, that was amazing. I really like, don't be mad at me if this is wrong, Queen Elizabeth Olympic. Yeah. Oh, you got it right. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Yes. Because I really like that one. Even though, like, that was one of my favorite places to compete, even though, like, the last time I ran there, I fell. But obviously, it was that high. Oh, were I you were you the one that fell over? I was. I was the one that fell. It was terrible. Like, anyway, that's it. So, you know how we were talking about falling yeah. and doing it, whatever. But that was, that was great. I loved it there. And then, uh, number three, 
I don't know. I don't really know a mm. third one right now, like off the top of my head. There was this one that was really fun, like in the Bahamas, I think. And yeah. but that's not like a super significant one to me. Mm. I don't know. I, I have top two. I have two for sure. Yeah. Is there is there any country that you haven't competed in that you would love to compete in? Yeah, definitely. Like I've never been to um Africa. I would freaking love to go there. Um yeah. and uh I have never been to Greece. Yeah. I would like to run there. Yeah. And I've never been to Japan, so that's the plan. We're going there yeah. this year. So, yeah. <laughs> you, know, those you have to, you have to speak it into existence. Exactly. You know? <laughs> so those are those are three places I've never been that I would love to run in or run at, you know. What are the dynamics like amongst competitors? So, you mm-hmm. know, for some of you, sometimes you're you're probably on the same plane, you're in the same hotel. Yeah. You're not having you, you might be training on the same track. <laughs> Talk to us about the, the dynamics. Uh, are you friendly? Do you stay mm-hmm. quite uh, away from each other? I know in some, you know, some disciplines, they're probably more friendly compared to other disciplines. Mm-hmm. So for your, for your um, discipline, 100 meter hurdles, what, was, mm-hmm. what are the group dynamics like amongst your competitors? So it's interesting because a lot of times you're actually like roomed with people that do your same event. Oh, wow. So you're roomed with your competitors. (laughs) But I I think, um, (laughs) so that's interesting. Um, Sometimes you're not though. Sometimes you're with somebody that's like in a different, you know, uh, event. But when I am roomed with my competitors, usually most of us, I would say, are pretty cordial or or friendly. Like we've all known each other at this point now uh, since college like when it comes to the americans i've Mm -hmm. known all of them since college and uh even if they were out of college before me i've just known them now because of running against them so Mm -hmm. um you know we all speak to each other i don't believe that i have any enemies so (laughs) i know you know for my knowledge um but yeah i think you just kind of because you know they're by themselves over here too pretty much and like you just everybody that's at one meet typically goes to the next or whatever so you see each other all the time so you'll go to lunch or dinner or whatever with each other because it's usually in the hotel things like that um but you just i mean you're really just there to eat sleep and prepare for a track meet so most of the time people just keep to themselves or you know or watching netflix or watching a movie or <laughs> yeah. you know yeah so mm-hmm. is there one thing you do now that when you were younger competing that you didn't do and you think why was not doing this before man um <laughs> Uh, let's see. I would say one thing that I didn't do while I was in college that I do now is, um, like glute activation. <laughs> I don't know. That just shows like my age, I guess. <laughs> but like, I just am like, oh my gosh, like I've got to the point where, so while I was at Baylor, it was funny, like Sonia Richards used to train with uh, coach Hart who was there okay. and then Jeremy Warner too. So we would see them. And like, when you're in, college you're like 19 20 so you can just like go do a jog and then you're ready for the workout yeah <laughs> and we would see jeremy and sonia taking like forever to warm up and so and i was like 
what? Why are y'all taking so long? They're doing stuff with bands and stuff. And I'm like, now I'm that person. And I'm like, <laughs> it just takes, you know, a little bit longer. But the glute activation for me is really key because it's helped me um, be in the proper alignment and stuff. And so I feel like had I done that in college, I probably would have uh, been able to hopefully miss a couple of the injuries that I had in college that were due to like mechanics. So, yeah. you know, I've just learned now. Uh, outside your coaches, um, are you receiving any other support, i.e., you know, sports psychologist or sports mm-hmm. performance coach? Um, yeah, just talk to us about that and the impact that they have had on you. Yeah, absolutely. So this, um, so while I was at Baylor, I actually worked with a sports psychologist, but then um, I, you know, after I left there, I really didn't work with him. So that was yeah. around like 2015. So now though, as a professional, I actually this year um, just started going to a therapist that I see regularly um, for just like both my personal life. And we talk a little bit now kind of about um, track and field and just like me as an athlete, because that kind of ties into my identity as a person and a bit in a little bit. Um, And so uh, that has been amazing for me to literally, uh, I like 10 out of 10 recommend therapy. And um, yeah, it has been like major in the way that I see myself. And even and like how I'm dealing with like adversities now, like when yeah. it comes to like this, this uh, most recent injury, because now it's like it's a different situation for me because it's like it feels really compressed. Like I have like two and a half months before um, it's our trials and like yeah. I didn't run indoor. Yeah. And, you know, so it just it's a lot of things. But uh, yeah, just being able to talk through that has been awesome. I definitely recommend it. Yeah, because we, we've we spoken to a few people and mm-hmm. I don't think anyone has said any anything negative about having a therapist there. And mm-hmm. so many people have talked about the benefits it ha- it's had on their career or had on their personal life. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I'm for it a thousand percent. <laughs> One thing that I want to mention is uh, there was something you said earlier and I, uh, and I wanted to ask you earlier and I forgot, but yeah, it's about repetition so you mm. really mentioned earlier about sometimes it's, it's, it's boring and I think sometimes with um I guess up-and-coming athletes what separates those that actually make it and those that don't is just that repetition and really trying to really hone and really carve out the skill so if you've got somebody that's listening now and mm. they are almost in a limbo because they're really struggling with you know going into training and doing the same thing over and over and over again, what advice would you have um, for that young person? I would definitely just say um, keep putting in the work because you'll be able to see it. Like you'll be able to see it soon enough. There were things uh, in 2019 when I was first with like learned all of my form was pretty much changed that I was not understanding and I hated doing it. Sometimes Ryan, Ryan and I would spend like the whole practice with me just going over one hurdle and it was to fix just one detail. Mm -hmm. And, um, I would say, give the same energy, give the same input, like, uh, input is not the right word. Give the same 
effort into that rep or into yeah. that whatever it might be that you just are having to repeat give the same like amount of effort each time each rep because that matters like if you back off in one instance then like now you're going to go if you've been like you know five steps ahead you're now taking yourself like 10 steps back you yeah. know from the improvements that you've made so definitely uh each rep same amount or more effort that you gave the previous one growing up who were your favorite sports stars mm, yeah <laughs> um since I loved soccer, Mia Hamm was like my favorite. Yeah. I loved her. You know, I thought mm. that I was going to play soccer. I really, I loved um, Marion Jones too. I like at some point was like, oh, I'm going to be a hooper and I'm going to go to run track. Like I yeah. thought I was going to do both. <laughs> Definitely stop playing basketball like freshman year of high school. Mm. No. Um, let's see. I love Sally Pearson. I had yeah. the honor of like meeting her at yeah. one meet and training with her for like a few days. And I, my life was changed. Um, <laughs> so uh, uh, let's see, definitely like some of, you know, just the OGs like for USA, like Jackie Joyner, Kersey, Gail Devers. Mm-hmm. Um, I've loved Gail always just because of like her height, my height, that yeah. type of thing. Like I've just always been like, okay, cool, cool. Um, and let's see, I mean, that was pretty, oh, uh, this is like a professional professional football player, but I used to really like Dante Hall. Um, okay. He played for the Kansas City Chiefs. I'm from Kansas City. Oh. And like, he's the only Chiefs jersey that I have. But <laughs> I loved him because um, in sixth grade, no, it was it seventh grade? It's seventh grade, I think. I played uh, football, like tackle football. And I was the only girl, like that was my inspiration. I was like, he's fast, I'm fast. Like, yeah, it was just great. He was my favorite. Yep. So (laughs) those are my superstar athletes that I looked up to. What what inspired you to become a vlogger? (laughs) (laughs) Yes. My vlog that's sometimes there and sometimes not. Um, <laughs> what happened? Um, I I was inspired to become a vlogger because uh, when I first actually, when I first started running professionally, I was like, wow, I get to go to all of these freaking sweet countries. Like, let yeah. me like, you know, vlog my experience or whatever. Yeah. And, um, you know, and then it kind of transitioned into like, oh, okay, like I'm, now an unsponsored athlete still doing this type of stuff. So let me mm-hmm. show y'all what it looks like, because I think sometimes people see like what the top 1% uh, look like and yeah. they just are able to focus on track. But the greater majority of those of us that do run track and field, like also have jobs or yeah. other things that we're doing. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. so I wanted to kind of show that. Um, but mainly it was kind of just to show overall, like what, being a professional athlete kind of looks like in some of the places that you get to go, what your um, training sometimes looks like, what a day looks like. Mm-hmm. And because as a coming out of college, I didn't know, I didn't know any of these things. I didn't know any of the trials that I would be going through yeah. or any of that. Like you just see like, Oh, you know, people are like running and they have a contract now and it just seems really regular, but it's not at all. So. It's, it's not, it's, it's, it's really, cause also I, I, I did athletics when I was younger and I, mm-hmm. I have a lot of friends who, who 
compete for Great Britain. And you could hear the difference in terms of the support that was given to the ones who were sponsored and the ones that weren't sponsored. And Mm -hmm. it was quite, quite drastic. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's major. It's a major difference. But at the same time, I mean, that's with anything, right? Like, if you're really good at something, then, you know, there are doors that are open for you because of that. So you can't yeah. be mad at it. I fully yeah. understand it's part of the game, you know. Yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, I just definitely wanted to show people that that's like that. It's OK for you not to be sponsored, too, yeah. and for you to yeah. still do this, because sometimes it is hard to get a sponsorship right out of college, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know. I'm just like, keep going, even if you aren't sponsored immediately, you know, just yeah. okay. <laughs> I think when it comes to American athletics, you, you look around, you look in every single discipline and you look at the trials, the American trials, and you just look at, you, you're seeing six, seven, eight mm-hmm. potentially world-class athletes. So I guess my question to you is is it a gift or a curse being American? <laughs> um, I know, right? I don't, man. Um, you know, I I have always told myself like I was like, all right, I'm if I make the team, it's going to be as an American. Mm-hmm. Like I was just like, this is what I've known since forever. But yeah. my gra- my great grandma did say, oh, we have German. I said, what? How you doing? <laughs> but it's too far anyway for me to claim it but um i i there's like this uh like kind of like this understanding i guess or like saying for a lot of like americans where it's just like all right if you like our trials is like we'd say sometimes like harder than the actual game so it's like all right like if you if you make the team like if you make the team you're already on the podium, yeah. you know? So yeah. it's just like, Absolutely. okay, cool. Yeah. Like the hardest part is making it through our yeah. freaking trials. Like yeah. that's, that's the hardest part. I think it is, it's, I don't, I don't really say it's a curse. I think it is a blessing because in the, like you work harder. I mm. think yeah. like, as an American, I feel like I know, I'm not like, you know, trying to downplay anything, but like, I'm just saying like, I know that there's like 10 of us mm. that on any given day, like we are, like right at it with each other yeah. So yeah. whose day is it going to be you know so and that's why it is harder sometimes as an american to get a, a sponsorship mm-hmm. because there's like 10 of y'all yeah and like you know so mm-hmm. it's, it's crazy because obviously you look at the the last olympics um mm-hmm. in the trials and you see people like kendra not make it and then she breaks the mm-hmm. record a few weeks later and especially in like the hurdles because the hurdles is literally one of those events where they only take three people so yeah. it's like yeah. three people and yeah. you know like in it's still like an amazing honor to make it in like the hundred or the 400 but you also have the opportunity to then like if you're in the final of the hundred like usually like you're in the relay pool yeah. at that point you know yeah. so if you didn't get the top you know within the top three like if you're within like the top six you're still probably gonna go yeah. so i'm like i don't have that option like i gotta be <laughs> one two or three and yeah. if not it's that's it you mm. know so yeah another, another question um so i haven't asked this so 
I guess one can only speculate. So I guess it's good to ask an actual athlete. How, from your perspective, how have the Americans taken to the emergence of um, Jamaican athletes in the last decade or so? Yeah, I, I don't think, I mean, I think that it's like probably like friendly rivalry. I have an amazing friend. Her name is Megan Taper and she is yeah. a Jamaican hurdler and she's awesome. And mm. um, so for me, I, I think that it's cool. Like, I think that we just know that like, we're both going for like uh, both countries are going for the same thing on like, who's better, you know? So like yeah. America's going to always try to be like, it's us baby. Yeah. And they're like, you know, now we're like, we're, we're coming too, you know? So yeah, mm-hmm. I, I think it's more friendly, right? Like it's, I, but I do think it presses out like the best in um, like the sport, because I yeah. feel like now it's like people feel like they can't uh, like, you know, like really relax. Like, it's yeah. just like, no, like it, it just is good for both parties. I think, I think, think you see like more records and like crazy times, like coming from Jamaica and that encourages mm-hmm. people in other countries and like um, Americans to be like, no, like we, I need to run like sub whatever then, yeah. you know? <laughs> so, yeah. Where, where do you think the confidence comes when it comes to, to, to the U S athletes and, mm-hmm. I always hear a lot of confidence when they talk. What, where do you think that comes from? 100%. <laughs> really? Look, I'm like, good. I sound confident. Amazing. 100%. <laughs> um, where does it come from? I don't know. Us just being American and just hard-headed in general, we just think so much of ourselves. Um, but I, I, in athletics, it's probably just because like if people are just literally built and grown to be athletes, I think sometimes over here, um, it's just, it's so accessible, like for us and like it athletics is something that is like really, really significant certain sports, you know, football, basketball, baseball, not so much track, but track is pretty big certain places, but just like athleticism and being an athlete is like such a high caliber, like career choice yeah. here. Yeah. Um, that I think, you know, when you speak to professional American athletes, they just like, are like, I mean, I'm the best. what can I say? I don't know. I mean, I, I had a funny, like, so my agent is not, um, American and so he was he was like you Americans you come over he was kidding but he was like mm-hmm. you come over here and you want everything to be like it is in America and we're like dang <laughs> like I was like I cannot not say that that is not true <laughs> so one of the things that I admire and Ed actually Ed, we both admire is the college system in America mm, um, mm-hmm. yeah Anyway, let's not talk about it, not having it here. But I guess um, for the listeners who are, you know, who, who are not from America, can you just explain the benefit of the college system um, mm-hmm. and how it's been for you personally? Absolutely. I think the college system in a lot of ways primes you to be, if you're going to try to be um, professional, like it just primes you, uh, like, you're competing at such a high level against top caliber athletes. 
um, because now it's most of the time it's like if you're really competing in these meets like nationals or whatever, you're literally competing against the best mm-hmm. who you might have also seen at some of those same things like when you were in high school as an American, you mm-hmm. know, um, but now you're seeing them in a different light. And I just think that it just really primes you uh, like when it comes to discipline, when it comes to also understanding kind of like what sport is like over here, um, because that's part of the thing. I, I have had training partners from, you know, many different places yeah. and some in Europe. And it's just it's very different, like the uh, sometimes the way that they handle training sessions compared to us and we'll be like dang like you really like one of my training partners would be like no I'm like done for this session and we were like what like we're like you really told our coach like that you're done and like we just have it to where it's like your coach like or I guess as you grow up here you're just like this is what your coach does is telling you to do you're gonna do that this is like and you just do it sure. you know what I mean like it was just interesting I mean that's not everywhere that's not for everybody but um you know I've had other training partners that are from Europe that are very much very similar to us you know had very similar training practices too but I think definitely like you it, everybody is fast here and so it's like nobody cares that yeah. you were really yeah. great in high school like now you're in college and you are starting at zero so you need to work just as hard or like harder you know in order to be somebody now like that's how it is here is there any athlete out there now who's competing that you look at and you think their mindset is just another level um i really like i really like um what is his name oh my gosh i'm gonna forget his name something garcia dang it's this he's a boxer and he's danny. like little danny. Huh? danny garcia is it danny yeah is he from yes. philadelphia I, he's like always oh, like this yeah yeah it's from philadelphia yes. is yeah, it danny yeah, yeah. or okay. are you talking of the it's either danny garcia or I, one, I i i feel like it's not danny it's the other one. is it danny the one that fought luke campbell so it's the other garcia it's um I forgot his name. He's a big star. I'm looking it up right now. Yeah, yeah. He's a big star. Um, Ryan, 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 Garcia. Ryan Garcia. Yeah, that's it. yeah I really yeah, yeah. like. I yeah. really like Ryan Garcia. At practice the other day, like I was saying that I was Ryan Garcia because I, anyway, like our coach was talking about like somebody in our group being like a super heavyweight, and I was like, if you're like a heavyweight, then what am I? And I was like, I'm Ryan Garcia. Maybe that's fine. But I really like his mindset. Like he just like. He has lost before he's young in the game, but like at the same time, like he um, he's like fearless. Like to me, he's like fearless. Like he Mm. just like always like picks himself back up. He's fearless. And I love that. You know, I mean, I think as a boxer, you have to have that. But I I think that he's he's awesome. I really like him. Yeah. (laughs) I guess (laughs) my my last question is, um, yeah, in your opinion, what are the core ingredients of an elite mindset? Mm, that's a good question because I feel like I'm working on that <laughs> myself. Um, I think the core ingredients of an elite mindset are short-term memory. Mm. Um, Interesting. Are 
I like that one, short-term memory. Yeah, definitely short-term memory. Um, being able to adjust. Um, and also a mix of like confidence and poise. Um, and I say like short-term memory because things are going to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, things, just things are going to happen. So having a short-term memory, you know, move on to the next thing without laboring too much on what has happened. Um, what did I say? Short-term memory. Short-term memory, poise. Adjustment, being able to adjust. Yeah. Being able to adjust for me is definitely something that like I see in my race in itself and that I take into life and just mentality in general. Like there'll be times where I might clip a hurdle and I have to adjust the way that I land or something like that just off the top, like me not even thinking about that. Um, So make being able to make adjustments and also just being able to be poised in possibly making those adjustments because sometimes I've had situations in which as a professional athlete, like I've gone to a competition or something like that. There are different, you know, uh, as in, in track and field, we're in the elements and things like that. Like, how are you going to handle if it's raining? How are you going to handle if you're running against the wind? How are Mm -hmm. you going to handle, you know, um, just like, just the, the small details of just like where, you might be inconvenienced. You know, I one time like had a meet that I literally, I traveled all day. I took a plane early that morning and then I took a train and then I had like three hours before I had to compete. So, you know, that (laughs) I was really mentally tapped after that, but (laughs) um, just being able to adjust and to adjust with like poise and confidence and like, I'm supposed to be here. I'm going to handle my job. And, you know, and I did, I did really well at that meet, actually. I think I got like second at that meet. So it was great. Yeah. I, I love the short-term memory one because the short-term memory yeah. one could be used in two different ways. It could be used in the way as if you have done well, yeah, I've done mm-hmm. well, but let's move on. It's, it's done. Absolutely. Or if you've done badly, I did badly. Let's forget that. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think you have to have short-term memory when it comes to like, um, especially in the rounds too, you guys are asking me how I do when I don't necessarily do what I want to do, but also having short-term memory, if I do do really well, Mm -hmm. you know, because it's like, okay, I did really well. Maybe I said like, maybe I ran a PB or something like that, a personal Mm -hmm. best, um, um, or something like that, but it's like, okay, now I have another round. So that was great, but we need to focus now on what we're getting ready to do. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I did have, I did say it was uh, the last question before. No, it's so, fine. It's so okay. I guess that's the penultimate question. But it was something you mentioned, weather conditions. Yeah. Um, that's something that I've always found interesting as well. And I think from my perspective, so I don't know if this is true or not. So I'm just thinking for a hurdler in the rain, it could be potentially more dangerous because they could <laughs> slip. So I'm just thinking of all of these things. So I guess... For my, for me, my question to you would be: When the weather conditions are are not perfect for yourself, and they're almost going against you as a hurdler, how do you ensure that it doesn't impact um, your mindset? Do you almost try to ignore the fact that it's rain, or do you take that on board? Just talk to us about that process. Um, if it is raining, I mean. 
I've had really good coaches sometimes and I've been in places to where we trained in the rain because we knew that situations like that are totally possible or Uh, whatever. Um, So you have that conditioning, right? Mentally. But also I just tell myself like, Hey, like you are, you're running this in less than 13 seconds in less than 13 seconds. Like I do this. If it's cold, I do this. If anything, like, I'm just like, all right, this is 13 seconds or less than 13 seconds. Like we're like, this is like 12, 0.7 0.7 seconds, you know, um, in which you're just like having to be uncomfortable. So we're just like 12.7 seconds and you get to like, go put on your clothes and go home. <laughs> like, that's just what I tell myself, <laughs> like, because there have been moments where it is literally, literally pouring and, and it's cold and you're just like, okay, you know, and yeah, you have to choose, like, am I going to allow this to affect me or am I just going to focus on what I need to do for, like I said, like this short amount of time? Yeah. And, you know, that's it. Tiffany, that was a great conversation. What do you, what, what oh, do you good. think, Ed? <laughs> fantastic. It was, it was absolutely fantastic. You definitely have to come in again at yeah. some point. <laughs> I didn't, I didn't, I didn't get to use my like British accent. I've been practicing. No, I'm not good. I'm not good. I'm not good. <laughs> I'm not confident in it. I'm not confident in it. Next time. Next time. <laughs> I guess um, hopefully, well, no, no, there's no hope for about it. So when you make it to the Olympics, um, maybe yeah. you can um, come on and yeah, we can, we can celebrate. Um, yeah. But yeah, we really, really, really thankful. And we wish you nothing but the best. And yeah, we'll be watching you at the Olympics. We Thank are you we guys. we are affirming it. We will see you at the Olympics. Yeah, y'all we'll see me. Me. <laughs> y'all see me there. <laughs> I will be there. So thank yeah. you. Thank you, thank you, thank you very much. Thanks, Ed. Thanks, Nathan. Thank you. Thank guys, you. guys, guys, thank you for tuning in once again. If you are a new listener, as always, welcome aboard. If you are a current listener, thank you once again, and please continue to share. Um, we have been blessed with a wonderful athlete and, and going to be an Olympian. So we will be seeing her. So make sure that you support Tiffany. And yes, until next time, guys, stay safe, stay blessed. (laughs)